G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, thanks for your company. This is the Round 12 Preview edition of the Footyology Podcast and uh, hope your season's going well, hope your team's going well, a bit better than uh, my team and indeed my co-host's team, Mark Fine. How are you, Finey? Yeah, good. This is the, um, it's not the abridged version, but with seven games, I guess we can jam more into less, just like the AFL. I thought you were going to say crap on a bit more. No. Um, Our teams aren't going well, so let's gloss over that. Although your team, no, let's very quickly, that that was a pretty reasonable effort by your Saints in Perth. Yeah, when you consider they uh, came up against a powerhouse forward line without Brown and Carlisle, even though Darling was off pretty early. But no, it was a good effort, and, and there was some talk and some math done during the week about St Kilda versus West Coast and the umpire differential over the last four visits. Yeah. Al- almost I, frightening. I, I saw those numbers. Yeah, look, I mean, just quickly on, on the raw factor, I, I sort of I tend to not get caught up in it because I don't think there's much you can do about it, and I think it sort of evens out. I had a look at the um, how West Coast have fared when they've travelled, and uh, they've only won the free kick count once out of four away games. Uh, The differential tends to be less, though. Although, uh, if you look at the differentials, uh, you know, free kicks four minus against, they're third on the ladder. Who just, if you haven't, have you seen this story? No, I haven't. Who do you reckon would be first and second? So the best. So the the best differential, so free kicks four minus free kicks against, who's got the highest? I reckon North would be doing well. Number one. Yeah, I Good call. Might be. And oh, I swear yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And I reckon, you know what, I reckon Brisbane would be doing all right. I've seen some Brisbane games and they've they've caught the eye. Well, I can't remember where they are now, yep. but uh, Collingwood was actually okay. second. Yep. So um, the raw factor, yeah, actually they've, yeah, oh, I guess the Collingwood army probably helps. Yeah, anyway. but, but we've got to, you've got to realise that the free kick count is really only very much a portion of the story, isn't it? Because it's not just about the free kicks given. So for and against is a very primitive way of looking whether or not yeah, the umpire... Yeah, it's what they don't give. It's what they don't give. It's it's marks that, you know, probably the most um, glaring decision that went for West Coast was a mark and 50 metres to Nick Natanui in the first quarter. Mm. Uh, that was... Hard to fathom, but that's a mark. That doesn't even come into free kicks. Well, just quietly, uh, it wasn't Robinson Crusoe on the 50-metre count. Yeah, I mean, well, that gee, was... there were some 50 metres on well, the weekend. Well, it, it, um, I know this is sort of glossing, uh, we're, we're talking about last round now, but I mean, it was it was just the Port Adelaide Hawthorne game is ridiculous. There were 11 of them, yep. which is, I think, easily a record, and most of them to do with this protected area, which I ranted about last Sunday. And uh, anyway, let, let's sort of go past the weekend. Uh, quickly, what did you think of the Nat Fife decision? 
<laughs> it was a, a culmination of a few weeks of of other incidents that had been swept under the carpet and uh, your time's up, Sonny, Sonny Jim. Yeah, yeah. I've done you a favour. I did you a favour against St Kilda when you kicked Carl off. Um, you know, we've looked after you, but we can look after you no longer. Yeah, look, I thought, I was sort of surprised they challenged it in a way, to be honest, because, um, well, put it this way, having decided to challenge it, they need to come up with a better defence than I was defending myself, because when you watch the vision, Greenwood is in the air punching the ball. Now, the moment after he punches the ball, he's he's actually completely open and vulnerable. How's he, I, I think Fife made a comment about his fist coming towards his face. Nah. That didn't fly at all. I think when we learnt that there was going to be a, a new methodology to match review panel tribunals and appeals, and that an appeal would cost $10,000, but there'd be no risk of further increase in punishment, mm. we had to expect a lot of appeals. Yeah, yeah. I guess comparative. We haven't really had that many. I don't oh, there's been quite. There's been a few. Yeah, well, it's still not like the old days, mate. I, I don't know, you know, at the risk of sounding like a dinosaur, I can remember covering the tribunal in the late 80s and, you know, there'd be some nights you get a list of nine or ten cases, you know, and half of them were thrown out and uh, no one sort of got slapped too heavily. Look, I'm there's always hand-wringing about umpiring, there's always hand-wringing about the, the um, MRO now and, and tribunal. I've never felt like, either of those things were any sort of better or worse than any time, really. Do you, I mean, like, do you look at the the uh, judicial system now, football-wise, and think, oh, gee, it's a lot worse or a lot better than it was when I was 15 years old? Because I don't. It's probably better than it's been at times. More predictable is better. Yeah. I think, I think, you're, I think I'm pretty comfortable in getting a sense of what will be be assessed and what it's worth now. Yeah. Where there used to be a... There have been periods of real just head-scratching inconsistency and, you know, who you had defending you, whether it was... Who were the great who were the great um, defence attorneys? Gordian? Was uh, he a, or was, was he a prosecutor? No, hey, Bert, was, uh, Bert was on the panel. Um, well, Jack Gaffney... When I started doing it, Jack Gaffney was the tribunal chairman and then he was replaced by Neil Busy. Yeah. And Neil Busy was seen... It's funny, if you look back, Neil Busy was seen as being the hanging judge, yeah. you know, giving guys two-week penalties or whatever. <laughs> um, no, the... Uh, Player defendants, Finlay? Uh, Ian Finlay. Finlay. Um, that, that name just came. Yeah, in. yeah. Defended by Finlay. Yeah, yeah. We're well, still around, Ian. Um, I bumped into I bumped into him out at uh, Essendon actually a few weeks ago. Um, so Ian, uh, who else used to do it? But there were oh, there were some big ones. I remember once uh, Ian Collins actually used to act as a player's advocate sometimes for Carlton. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Procedurally, it's a lot better, isn't it? I mean, I, the funny one that sticks in my mind. Um, uh, was it Peter Dacos might have got reported off video or it was the other way around someone Terry Danaher this is about 1988 and Alan Schwab acted as a character witness <laughs> the the sort of 2IC at the, at the VFL I mean it was <laughs> they were pretty flippant about uh, you know sort of justice being seen to be done so yeah not much doubt it's a, it's a more um, efficient and uh, the system has more integrity about it I wanted to talk about, um, and it didn't get no attention, but it's the sort of story that 10 years ago would have got a lot more attention than it did, 
and that is this trial of four field umpires for rounds uh, 13 and 14. Um, now, I didn't think it got that much attention. We've done it before. I think I did it we last year. We told it last year. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it seems to be uh, it's across two rounds this year. Every game will have it. Um, I'm all for it. I, I think, you know, basically uh, reading about it, they're going to have two umpires stationed in the centre of the ground between either arc and then one in each of the 50s. So, I mean, it sounds pretty logical to me. You're, you're yeah, okay a, with it? Yeah, it's a positioning issue. Uh, having had it explained previously, it's about getting an umpire sort of on the boundary side of incidents. So, yeah. you know, that idea that the umpire was blindsided, yeah. that that is, we're fighting against that now. So yeah, it's having an umpire either side either of the side, stoppage. That's right, either side. What is either side? I mean, we're talking about something that's a 360-degree view. Mm. It takes a lot of coordination. It'll be a it'll be a pretty ballet to see the umpires m- maneuver themselves correctly. I think the stats last year were pretty inconclusive. It didn't achieve any more than the three umpires, and I'm pretty sure that that was the conclusion. But in, they want in, to give it yeah, a fair trial in terms of free kicks. I, I wonder in terms of after assessing the game. Yeah. Um, Correct. For, you know, the, the quality of the umpiring was not improved with four umpires post-assessment. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, because I, I would have thought one potential benefit, and they did say, Steve Hocking did say this, is that, um, you know, if, it, if there's lesser physical toll taken on the umpires as a result, they might be able to have the better umpires umpire more than one game a weekend. Yeah, there shouldn't be a physical toll with three umpires, should there? Oh, I still got to run. It's easy for you to say, mate. I, you know, when you have a look at my current physical state, I, I'm I, I admire anyone who can run five hundred meters. <laughs> um, well, no one's asking you to umpire, so that's okay. well. But yeah, thank God. But I mean, what do you reckon they should be all right now to do more than one game? Yeah. Well, why don't they? Well, I think there's been a push to having twenty-seven umpires and you know keeping up-and-coming umpires interested, and that's important that there are opportunities. We don't want the game to be umpired by nine people. Mm. So I think the number we're at at the moment has been deemed to be the sort of number that keeps umpires Australia-wide. Remembering we're catering for umpires from all states. So you've got to be very careful in doubling up that you don't reduce the opportunities, and that has the knock-on effect of, you know, a lot of kids that take up the whistle do so with the dream of being an AFL umpire. Well, you have to have opportunities, and those opportunities at 27 don't seem enormous, but, you know, you reduce that, you make a, a dent in that, and it starts to be a closed shop, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very dismissive of umpires' concerns. I know this debate about getting rid of the centre bounce, which personally I couldn't give a a toss about, pardon the pun. Um, you know, like one of the reasons the umpires are brought up about that is that, you know, it's bouncing is hurting their backs and shoulders. Well, you know, I've, I've spoken to umpires who have had shoulder reconstructions and stuff. So it, it is a real phenomenon, but it, you know what it's like. It's like anything concerning an umpire. Like, say, if a goal umpire, as you were goal umpiring <laughs> last weekend, if a goal umpire gets bowled over by a shirt front, 
you know, if that's yeah, a player, yeah, if that's a player, everyone goes, oh no, and if it's a goal player, everyone goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not getting hit in the nuts in cricket, isn't it? <laughs> so, one more with this. I wonder if the cynic would suggest that part of the reason they may be trolling this isn't just about what we've talked about, but perhaps it's a trial for the introduction of limited zoning in a bid to get rid of congestion. Yeah, positioning umpires so they can... Well, one inside the 50. So they can marshal the area. Correct. I hope we don't get to that. That, to me, would be the... That would be, you know, through the looking glass here, people, because, for me, one of the absolute first things explained to a non-Australian rules person about what is good about our game is, on the field, you can go anywhere and... You know, you can travel anywhere. There's no offside. There's no mm. areas. You don't need. It's free. It's free reign once you're on the ground. I've got to say, I would gladly these days, and I've changed my view on this. One, I don't think it would visually look as bad as people fear, because I think if they did do it, it would be only at stoppages or perhaps potentially even just at centre bounces. So it's no different to the centre square in a way. Um, but if it's just at centre bounces, it won't make any difference to the game. Yeah, pr- probably not. I mean, like, and that's why it's probably one, uh, uh, two or three steps down the line. I guess the next step is reducing the interchange further, although I'm very sceptical about the difference that makes. But I do think that it, the congestion has become so inherent in the game that it is going to take legislation to fix it up. I really do. And that's what the centre square was. Well, let's try interchange. But is it, hey, isn't it funny? I'm just thinking on the run here. But isn't it funny that in 1970, at the end of 1971, Hawthorne St Kilda played a very scrambly yep. grand final. They bought in the centre diamond. Yep. I, I mean, I was only... We were both only six years old. But I don't recall that being a huge sort of controversy and that was pretty radical change. Whereas now, isn't that interesting? Like we like we sort of think we're a more conservative society then, but perhaps in sporting terms we weren't. Yeah, I'll just say this: that if it's about where players are positioned prior to a bounce, or you know, even not just a centre bounce, but any stoppage, mm. it's not going to have the desired effect. It, it begins to become effective if a player, certain players on each side cannot leave certain areas. Yeah. And that's when you enforce, in, in for, that's enforcing a traffic flow that will limit congestion. Uh, I to, don't like it. Well, to be honest, I, I still think uh, they need to do what they, they sort of have done to a limited extent, that is the quicker ball-ups. Yeah, but it, it's nowhere near the level it was. It, if I, I swear, if uh, Hayden Kennedy or you know anyone from the AFL sat down and watched a series of games from the eighties, you know, as soon as more than three players converge on a ball, ball up. Yeah, look, there's you don't mo- give the players I a agree. chance to swarm in. I think there needs to be some more sensitivity in the in the umpiring of the game. I agree with that. I definitely believe that. Reducing the number of interchange would, and I mean really reducing it, yeah. would make have a profound effect. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, like there's several steps to go, isn't it? But you can see this dragging on for years and years. And, and, other- and otherwise, it needs to be done. Let's, you know, I say if we're going to limit player movement, then let's do it properly. By tethering two of the players from each side to the goalpost. Do you know those sort of harnesses that, that naughty children... Oh, the what the flick the springy ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like like a um tape measure. Yeah. So the player can run, the player can run as far as, as much as he wants within fifty meters. As soon as he runs fifty one meters, boing, he's you, brought back you, at a, you know you with imagine, force you, against the goalpost. Can you imagine Plugger wearing a harness? <laughs> I don't know about you, but actually, not all that long ago, I was going somewhere and I saw a, a mother. With a child on a leash, and it still gives you a bit of a shock, oh, yeah. doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's a, uh, it's confronting. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? Once upon a time, I would have sneered at that suggestion, Finey, but who knows for these days? Now, quick one before we move on, um, scheduling. Now we're coming up to the buy rounds. Oh, there's only seven games this week, and then we've got uh, two rounds of six games, and then another one of seven, I think. So it's a little bit different again this year. I'm a bit worried that at a time when footy I wouldn't say is on the nose, but you know people aren't loving the sort of quality of footy we're seeing at the moment. That the Thursday night games, of which there's five in a row, are coinciding with two those two rounds when there's only six games. So two weeks in a row, we're going to have Thursday one game Thursday night, one game Friday night, three games on a Saturday, and one game on a Sunday. If you've got three of the four playing days with one standalone game. If it's a stinker, gee, you're leaving yourself open. What, what do you think? Oh, couldn't they? I know there's probably logistical issues around um, preparation times for teams, but couldn't you make those Thursday night games later in the season? I, they did the same thing last year. Yeah. The public reaction was mooted. Um, again, the reasoning for it, you can only talk to broadcast rights. And, you know, Thursday night football, and I'm not cynical enough, but I'm sort of been, you know, been on this merry-go-round enough times. You know, I've been to this amusement park to know that, does this come at the end of something like a, I don't even know what channels these are on, by the way. End of My Kitchen Rules or something. Yeah, correct. Does this dovetail nicely? I don't know. The... We should refer this one to Carl. He loves his reality TV. No, but, he doesn't. I just don't but, know. But does this sort of is is this run of Thursday night um, TV? Because for, for me, it's TV. Yeah, no, I, I don't know because yeah. I basically stopped watching TV. Like um, like a lot of people um, that sort of prefer to watch decent stuff on TV. But, but do you feel that this is TV more than? Oh, everything's TV driven. Yeah, but yeah. this has a real, you know, we're going to give you some, you know, in the in the dead of winter, you'll get Thursday night football, Friday yeah. night football. Yeah. Can't you see the, AFL, like Gil McLaughlin or the AFL fixturing blokes sitting around a board table with Channel 7 going, okay, so the final of Love Island coincides with round 12. So yeah, that's right. that, I'm saying. Yeah, no, you probably... We ar- have we arrived at that point? You're probably right. Look, oh, don't get me wrong, because I, I, I'm a fan of Thursday night football. I, I quite like it and you know in in my barren existence it gives me something to look forward to but my great fear is that i don't i think channel seven is my kitchen rules yeah i think it is i yeah. think my kitchen rules rolls into my house rules 
Yeah, I don't know that I've one. I've got a terrible fear that next year, Thursday Night Football might be my football rules. Or <laughs> Reality my team, football. My team rules. Yeah. Oh, where we, how would that work? Well, maybe we could clear up the congestion with that as well. We vote players off the ground yeah, until we get the down game. to about 12 a side. Yeah, you know? and then we've got that work. open footy. There you go. We've just fixed up one of the uh, prevailing problems in football today. Time for us to move on. On Footyology, Media Watch. Righty, I'll give this a big pump up every week. Uh, the one where all our colleagues hang on the edge of their seats finally waiting to see if they're going to cop a bagging or not. Well, maybe not because the media's always slagging itself off all the time. Anyway, we're all used to it now. Um, I wanted to kick us off with... Uh, I saw a story during the week about rating TV ratings for Friday Night Football and... Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will if I am wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw the figure of 13% that the ratings for Friday Night Footy uh, were down 13% on last year. Now, uh, if that is right, that is a very dramatic drop from something that has become a real institution, and I would say real cause for concern. Now, Can I be the AFL spokesman on this? Yeah, go on. Whilst we are... Looking at the uh, reduced ratings, one has to accept that people are consuming their football product differently in 2018. The eyeballs that were on television have now been transferred to handheld devices and other media. So one looks at our strong foothold in, in the third sphere of television viewing and eyeballs here and eyeballs there and eyeballs everywhere, but there's going to be so many ways of talking their way out of it based on the different modes of consumption now by the football fan. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Spin Merchant, but I fail to uh, believe your case that a 13% drop, which equates to several hundred thousand viewers, that all of a sudden several hundred thousand more people have decided, no, I'm not going to sit back in the comfort of my lounge chair on a Friday night. I'm going to uh, watch it on a tiny little handheld device instead. I'm just. What's your answer for that, Mr. AFL spokesman? Well, we also have to be cognizant of the fact that there are other choices and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, actually, funny you say that. Okay, we can drop the role playing now. Um, funny you mention that because who was it? Was it the. Um, was it someone in cricket? Oh, I'm just trying. Someone threw up Netflix as a real. Uh, during the week, threw up Netflix as a real serious factor in the drop-off of sports audiences. And just anecdotally, you know, I'm a big believer in anecdotal evidence and the water cooler discussions and those sort of things. The number of people you hear now talking about, oh, I watch something on Netflix or watch this on Netflix, it really, it, it's huge. Do you watch Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, regularly. But not on Friday nights. The Maybe they should look at the games they Put up. Well, I was going to say, now, okay, now let's switch roles. I'm going to be the AFL spokesman now. Well, of course, one has to take into account the quality of the Friday night games. And look, we've been a bit unlucky with the draw this year. We thought the Western Bulldogs would bounce back. Hasn't happened. And they have featured in three Friday night games. The Carlton Football Club, they have featured in several Friday night games. Why did you think they would... Where were they bouncing back from that you put them on Friday night? I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I, I wish the uh, I wish the head honchos had given me one before I fronted this uh, demanding press conference. Um, 
Yeah, I've got no idea because two years ago we were complaining about Carlton getting, I think it was five Friday night games. The thing is, though, and it's a good sort of pointer to where modern-day football is at, one of those Friday night games was Collingwood-Carlton. So like 20 years ago, if you said Collingwood-Carlton Friday night, that is an absolute guaranteed showpiece game, isn't it? But it's not now. So the quality of the games clearly has something to do with it. Even some of the more heralded teams have played in games that haven't been great. So I'm just trying to think of all the Friday night games. I think the first one, Adelaide-Essendon was good, only because the Bombers sort of came back. Um, Hawthorne-Sydney was a ripper uh, around nine. Um, Adelaide's, uh, Collingwood's win in Adelaide had that sort of surprise element about it. And there was an, uh, another really good one. Adelaide's Sydney, I think, was pretty good. But the standard of the games hasn't been great. But, uh, and it's a considerable but, um, Jake Noel wrote a column in The Age the other day about the AFL sort of monitoring closely people's viewing choices. And uh, it was good, good piece. Don't get me wrong on this. But I was reading some of the feedback to it in various forums. And 99% of those comments said, Hang on, how come you didn't mention the commentary being a um, factor in the drop-off of the audience? Now, I, I must admit, you know, we all go on about the commentary, but I would have thought, geez, the commentary's got to be pretty bad if it's actually going to make someone not watch a game as opposed to watch a game. Do you think that's a legitimate factor? No, I don't. Okay. So what do people say it is? Well, people are saying it's the commentary. That's why I'm turning off. Yeah. Do you reckon people gild the lily with that? Do you? yeah, they people try. So, like, I'm going to burn my membership. Card. Correct. People overvalue their their viewership and their membership and their listenership. Yeah. To try and bully or cajole decision makers into making decisions that suit their own personal preferences and tastes, and you know, I'll turn off if. BT's commentating dictating on Friday night. No, you yeah. won't. Not if your team's playing. Well, this is half the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's a uh, because it's liar. A, I point my finger at that person. Don't you wish we were back in the the old days? And geez, there are a long time ago. But when you had Channel Seven, the ABC, and before that, Channel Nine, all covering the footy, and then you actually could make a choice. Whereas for the last. 40-odd years. But not live. Or 30-odd years. There's never been live No, case. no, no. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a captive audience, basically. And, and if you don't like the commentary, the choice is... Although, and I actually did this a few weeks ago, and I didn't do it... Um, I didn't... I promise I didn't do it because, oh, I can't stand Commentator X. It was... Um, I wanted specifically to listen to the SEN call, so I, I paused the live action for, you know, five seconds or whatever it was and synced it. And um, it worked out all right, except the problem is, you know, if you want to go back and look at an incident again, you've got to go through that process again. Um, But, yeah, look, 13%, I don't know what that equates to in advertising dollars, but I'm tipping it to be a fair amount. So that's, I don't know, is that a symptom of footy being on the nose, do you think? Is it cause for concern? I think it's a symptom of... We are beyond the time when young Australians, young Australian males played footy in the winter, cricket in summer, and when they weren't playing, they were watching, you know, Vanderhaar versus Knights and Lillian Thompson steaming in, you know, trying to 
you know, put Viv Richards on the back foot. That was all we had going for us growing up, mate. Yeah. yeah. We are past that. We are well past it. And people say to me, you know. In terms of choices, you're in ter- saying. In yeah. terms of how our children and the youth view their choices, entertainment choices, and their, and their exercise choices. Yeah. So I've got four kids, and interestingly, the girls play football and the boys don't. But yeah, yeah. Um, they've been asked, you know, the boys, you know, they've got any interest in football. They have no interest in football whatsoever. Mm. And they're not pariahs. Yeah. They are not. No, my, my son doesn't. My 16-year-old son, he's yeah. a soccer tragic, but yeah. he has no interest in oh, AFL. My boys just aren't that interested in sport. Well, speaking they? about leash, because of that yep. choice, I leave him tethered to the post outside and <laughs> let him in for meals. No, I'm just kidding, Dave. But, you know, the, back in my day, if I said that there were a couple of kids that had no interest in sport, they would be ostracised yeah, at yeah, school. Yeah. No, you're right. You know, they'd, they'd, be in a very, right. they'd be in a very small sub-social group, not the case with my boys at their school. They are part of the main main throng of children yeah. who are into computers, who are into gaming, yeah. who are into various things, but they're not into footy. Gaming's huge. You know, my, my stepson is 18 now. A former schoolmate of his recently went to Taiwan for four months where he was paid yep. to game. Yeah, professionally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so there actually is a career option. You, you can't even say to your kids anymore, you'll never get anywhere sitting on PlayStation, Johnny, because you will. <laughs> you might end up, you know, having your accommodation paid for in an Asian country and, and earning uh, earning a poultice to play video games. Um, yeah, look, I, just on your thing about the, the life choices, I do wonder if the people sometimes making these decisions or sort of doing the alleged strategizing are across the extent to which it's changed, particularly people with kids. Well, I'll give you a good example. I did hear, you know, shall remain nameless, but there there was a, I was listening to a call um, over the weekend and they were talking about the Australia Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic warm-up World Cup game. And one of the callers was sort of going, oh, you know, who cares? Like, well, mate, a lot of people actually care. It was probably the most important sort of thing going on at the time. Yep. More important than, you know, GWS taking on Fremantle or whatever it was, you know. Do you think, I'm not convinced there's enough older people in the football broadcasting world who are actually across it. No, they are across it. I just don't think they know what to do. I I know that I, I had a discussion with people from the AFL a couple of years ago, um, re a product that would attract the interest of younger sports fans. And they were doing, and unfortunately, two years later, they haven't really come up with anything, but they were doing um, a fair bit of groundwork and there there was a subcommittee devoted to trying to take on um, the EA sports phenomenon. Well, they came out with the, they came out with the game uh, last year. About, yeah. It was about this time last year, yeah. or about May last year, to take on FIFA. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was called. AFL. Um, oh, it escapes me. Yeah. Anyway, I, I got my son David to uh, be the guinea pig, so yeah. he played it, and he, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I wrote a story about it for the age. So I said, mate, you can't, you know, 
like you can be critical, but let's not go off a deep end here. And he 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 tried, but he said, "Look, you know, I'm sorry, but it's just not nearly at the level that FIFA is." Yeah, and they can't expect to be because, of course, FIFA is a worldwide product, and therefore development stretches into the tens of millions. And yeah. there's no way they're going to recoup that on an Australian rules product. But the engagement and entry level into sports following that FIFA, whatever it is, FIFA whichever version they're up to, mm. um, gives to the round ball code is of grave concern to the AFL and they know about it. Yeah. Yeah, well... But there's not much they can do about it. So where are we 10 years from now? You know, like, a, I mean, if if this sort of ratings drop-off continues, you'd think the next round of broadcast rights are going to be worth a lot less than those ones, Look, you know, aren't they? Or do they do they balance that out with the you know their digital rights being so much more? Well, it seems as though sports the only thing that rates. You know, there's such a lack of imagination and in and, programming, in programming, or reality they, TV, obviously, rates. Yeah, piggybacked on sport a lot. I mean, they just really do have a look at the top ten rating programs of the year, and it's sport. Almost across the board, but it, but every even if it is, everything is rating a lot less than it used to. Yeah, isn't that's it? right. That's, it's it's that's like exactly right. I had this discussion with someone yesterday, and it's it's probably most obvious in the media, but you could apply it to virtually any area in life. There is there is sort of is no mass media anymore. The whole media scene now is so fragmented and specialised. There are so many genres. You know, you got Netflix, you got streaming. Um, you got TV, you got Foxtel, blah 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 blah. You got blah. this podcasting. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's there. There are so many sort of niche areas of the media now that, and and we touched on this earlier, didn't we? I talked in an earlier media watch about the major newspapers not having the clout now that they did even five years ago, and um, there are good and bad about that, I think. But it certainly makes for a changing landscape, and if you're going to be negotiating broadcasting rights, which are going to apply several years down the track. That's a really tough job, isn't it? Because you, the goalposts keep shifting and you're trying to anticipate where they'll be, sure. and it's impossible to do. Can I give you an anecdotal support to what you're saying? Yeah. But it's so real life for me, and I'm telling you, this is absolutely real. I, I'm in a household of six people, two yeah. adults, four kids. Yeah. And two or three years ago, the fight for the... Remote control was savage, and it should have been more savage two or three years on. I have, I can basically sit down at any time of the day and watch whatever I want on TV. My youngest at nine is devoted to something on YouTube. Yeah, she follows the life of some family overseas. Oh, I, feel, then, I thought you were going to say Pootie Pie. No, she's a Swedish fa- gamer. There's some fam- family overseas she follows, and then she, oh, YouTube. Well, sorry, just on that. So yeah. Pootie, have you heard of Pootie yeah, Pie? Yeah. yeah. I looked up his channel yesterday because someone asked me about it. You know how many subscribers his channel's got? 20 million. 63 million. There you go. That's a guy who sits there and plays video games. So Carl watches him all the time. Carl can't believe that we don't watch him. But, you know, the wife watches Netflix selected programs, but she can watch them on her tablet. Yeah. Um, My daughter watches everything on her tablet and is into podcasts. Yeah. And the boys are into gaming. And basically the TV, the free-to-air channels, you know, if there were tumbleweeds and cobwebs <laughs> that could be associated with 7 to 9 
10 and their various offshoots than they like channel re- o. <laughs> they re- they really are they barely exist you're they, right they, they do not exist for my kids no no you i reckon what you've just said i reckon there's a thousand people sitting there listening at the moment going that's me because I, I was just thinking the same thing there's four of us and uh after dinner i disappear into the study where i'm on the computer Abby disappears into her lounge room and watches. She was watching Foxtel, but something happened to it. She's been watching Netflix. David goes up to his room and watches something on his laptop, and Sam goes into his room and does what he does. Never the twain shall meet. I don't know. Is twain two? I don't know what the equivalent of of that is for four. Anyway, very philosophical discussion on uh, Media Watch this week. Uh, Probably should wrap it up there. Is there any... Pressing. No, no, no. We'll hold off. I can. You were going to. Well, I'll just give you. Uh, you were going to do the Stuart Little. Remember when Stuart Littlemore used to host Media Watch? We used to look back on. You know, I've always watched Media Watch, yep. right? And people look back on Stuart Littlemore and they say, "Oh, wasn't that the golden days of Media Watch?" All I remember Stuart Littlemore doing was reading out literals in the paper. Hmm. It's much more weighty now, even if you got to put up with Paul Barry. All right. So Todd. I'll do my Stuart Little more yeah, as lightweight as it is next week. Yeah, do it next week. All right, let's move on. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Okay, only seven games this week, of course. We are into the uh, abbreviated rounds in the middle part of the season. But some really good games this week and uh, kicks off Friday night, Adelaide Oval. Port Adelaide taking on Richmond. How do you see it, Fine? I'm tipping the Tigers in this. No, Dustin Martin. He's a... Been, Big loss. Yeah, he's off to New Zealand to visit his dad, uh, citing a calf injury. Uh, so hang on, what? He's visiting his dad because he's got a calf injury? No, he's got nine days off at sort of an extended break. And look, he's been struggling for best form, hasn't he? Really? Oh, yeah, it's all relative, though. He, yeah. oh, he was still in their best players against Essendon, yeah. I thought. Well, Richmond are accommodating his needs. Mm. And I almost feel as though him not playing will be a sign to other players to lift and fill the void, and I think they're capable of doing so. So almost because Dustin's not there, I'm tipping the Tigers. Yeah, well, I you know, it's very foolishly tipped against them last week, thinking that, you know, they just got over the line against the Saints. They'd lost the week before. Maybe they were on a little bit of a, a downward uh, bent, and boy, I got that wrong because they were fantastic last week. So I'm going to do it again. I, I, I just think at some stage... They've got to have a poor one. Martin out has to make a difference. Port, I watched that game really closely last week. Port, very ordinary um, with their disposal coming forward, um, and that was the result of the pressure Portland put on them, which doesn't all go well. I just think Port are a better side than they're showing. They weren't that far off. You know, it was a three-point result against Hawthorne in Tassie. That's not disgraceful. At home... You know, they, they're sort of seen as sort of flat-track bullies in a way, and now this isn't the opposition's better than flat-track bully, obviously, but home gives them a significant edge. They've got to show something soon. Uh, I reckon this might be the week that they do it. So uh, no disrespect to you, Tiger fans, but I'm just tipping the upset here. All right, let's move on. And uh, another big game. And uh, I'll tell you what, who would have thought this at the start of the year that this would be a huge game. Most people predicting north for the wooden spoon. Plenty of people tipping Geelong, you know, top two. Um, I'm sure someone tipped them to win the flag. 
But here we are at the Cattery, of course, uh, formidable venue, but uh, North have to be a pretty reasonable chance, don't they? Well, I'm giving them more than a reasonable chance. I'm tipping, You're tipping them. tipping them? Yeah, I'll tip them to win. They've, they've won down there a couple of times in, yeah. in recent years, haven't they? Yeah, but I think, again, they've got a, a side suited to that outdoor football, the, the vagaries of uh, the wind and not necessarily as precise as the indoor at Etihad where they play very well, but remember yeah, very they're very good, good at Hobart. Hobart, yeah, no, good so call. I just feel that this time of the year is stoppage football. There's no question that they've got the body size to go into those stoppages against the powerful Geelong midfield and break even or even win. I love the form of their backline. It really is at last making sense to me. Majak Dora is a floater, a run from McMillan, run from Atley, and the forward line we know is effective, and I assume Jared Waiter late would draw last week would be right this week. So that, to me, is a much more even team around the ground than Geelong, mm. whose eggs fall in really, do I say one basket? Because not even the midfield's working that well. But no. I'm curious each week as to how their forward line will function. A lot of it pivots on Tom Hawkins, and therefore a lot of it doesn't work. So north for mine. Yeah, the Cats, they really haven't looked settled, have they? And injuries have had a fair bit to do with that. They've had injuries to some really pivotal players. Look, I, don't get me wrong, I think North's been outstanding, and I rate them, and we, I keep sort of making a virtue of the fact that oh, I said they'd be better than everyone else, and after all that... I just can't tip against Geelong at home. I know, you know, like Swans beat them last time, but, you know, I just, I can't tip against them at home. They're just, they're a four or five goal better side down there. Pretty good uh, bashing up of um, the Suns last week, I reckon. Gets the confidence up and uh, they need to win, so cats for me. All right, the Twilight game, 4.35 on Saturday late afternoon, GWS Fantastic win by the Giants last week in Adelaide, taking on the Suns, who um, seems to be a recurring theme with Gold Coast. They start the season fairly brightly and then fall in a heap. Pretty hard to see any result other than a pretty commanding Giants victory, I would have thought. This is the expansion game, isn't it? It is. We're supposed to be... Is it the, what's it the battle of? The battle of the babies. Is there, there are players that have gone between two teams. I just can't think of them at the moment. Fitzpatrick's, Fitzpatrick's progeny. <laughs> yeah. Not the devil's spawn. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, go on. Oh, clearly one team is... This made me think of Kieran's spawn. Go on. Clearly one team has righted, righted the ship and that team is immeasurably better than the other team anyhow. So one, you know, one vessel is listing... The other one is sailing, and you can only pick the margin in this, and I'll go for 108 points. Yeah, it's going to be, I don't know about 100, but it's going Why to be. Why not? Well, yeah, no, it's going to be size. I think beat them by 100 last year at this venue. Oh, no, it's not a game that really sticks in the memory, is it? Gold Coast GWS. Shouldn't say that. National competition and all that. Okay, let's Crowd problems? Are we expecting crowd violence? Those two supporters hate <laughs> yeah. each other. Those groups of supporters hate each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, St Kilda, Sydney at Etihad Stadium, Saturday night, 7.25. Um, of course, think St Kilda, Sydney at Etihad, and you always think of the uh, 8-8. 
64 draw back in, I think, 2002. Clinton Wolf hitting the post from two metres out. However, I digress. Um, the Swans... Would have been 8856, wouldn't it? Did I say 64? Yeah, that's eight How times. That's eight times yeah. eight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. 8856. I remember because I was working... You, for... you, you know that... I was working for 3AW, yeah. and we used to, 8856 was brother. brother yeah. So it was the double brother draw. So, you know, that kick, and it was, it was Daniel Wolf, not Clint Wolf. Oh, I think we got that wrong as well. He yeah. played for Freo, didn't he? Yeah, Daniel Wolf from the Bulldogs. And he ran in and he kicked the ball into the post. Yeah. And people say if he would have kicked the goal, St. Kilda would have won. Yeah. You know, if he wouldn't have kicked it at all, St. Kilda would have finished the year on five wins and got Daniel Wells as well as got it. Because it was five and a half wins uh, that yeah, precluded okay. St Kilda from the, <laughs> the from the and he should have known that. Well, it was halfway through the season, so I don't know how he. <laughs> no, he should have. He should have realised. But, but it was had he make not the scored difference. at all, St Kilda would have picked up the extra player. So, in Daniel Wells, so that would have meant that they had a star player who was continually in the medical room, and they were tearing their hair out of it. He's still a pretty good player. He isn't is he? no, he has been a very good player. Anyway, getting back to the twenty first century, who, who's going to win? The Swans play um, Eddie Head particularly well. And they I play reckon. St Kilda even better. St Kilda just can't get a, a handle on playing against Sydney. And whilst, and, yeah. whilst they were able to really put in a good effort against West Coast's tall forward line, Buddy will prove to be quite a bridge too far. Still no Brown, still no Carlisle, still no hope with Sydney easily. Yes, and Saints coming back from Perth too. Don't underestimate that as a factor. Um, all right, Sunday games. Uh, two games on Sunday and uh, oof, danger game. Talk about danger game. Brisbane v Essendon at the Gabba, one ten pm And actually... Danger game for who? Well, I was going to say, danger game almost sort of gives Essendon too much credit, does it? Because they were, they were pretty awful last week. So I don't, how do you get a read on them? The two weeks before, they'd been terrific. I just think actually last week um, was more about the gap between them and the really top sides because Richmond put on a really decent level of pressure and the Bombers couldn't cope with it. Brisbane can't apply that same level of, of pressure. Um, look, I, I think Bombers have won on the road this year at least. Um, you're convincing yourself? Or I'm, I am trying to or convince you're myself. Us a tip. I'm tipping Essendon, but you know, by the narrowest of margins. I'm tipping Essendon by negative 43. I think Brisbane will win comfortably. Do you? Look, they were really... They, were all, they weren't They were great against North. No, but that was at Eddie Head, and that was yeah. that was with 19 players for half of the game. And they actually finished it off all right. Cameron out for the year. Uh, yeah, well, this... isn't that a factor in how they're going to go this week? Christensen probably won't play, will he? Oh, but they'll have 22 players. No, I'm just saying that their form at... Look, they had a magnificent win against Hawthorne there. Mm. They were good value against Sydney for most of the game. Mm. They play the gabble well. Oh, I, I really think Essendon will just have to be absolutely on top of their game to win this. Otherwise, Brisbane, given a sniff, will charge home. I think Brisbane comfortably. Yeah, no, fair enough. No, I understand that view. All right, uh, second game on Sunday, 4.40pm Eastern Seaboard. Time Frio v Adelaide now Eastern Seaboard time yeah sure it's not Eastern Standard time well it's the Eastern Seaboard as well <laughs> no I know it's Eastern Standard time I'm just you know it's a waxing lyrical sure it wasn't Daniel Wolf 
<laughs> no, no, I'm not having a good morning, am I? <laughs> Actually, I'm, not, I'm just convincing myself it is 4.40 Eastern Seaboard time. Yes, it is. <laughs> so it's 2.40 Perth time, or 20 years culturally, if you live there. Apologies to all our listeners in Perth. Seaboard time makes me feel like it's like, you know... We're Atl- pirates? Yeah, like Atl- <laughs> it's going to be a theme to the game. <laughs> or Atlantic City. Is, is there a casino? Is there saltwater taffy? I don't, I don't know, but just quickly, we did our rock and roll podcast yesterday and some, something came up about um, Dr. Hook and yep. the medicine machine. And remember the guy, one guy wore yeah. an eye patch and I was trying to remember where he, whether he had a parrot on his shoulder. No, or <laughs> Walk right in. Is that, <laughs> yeah, it's that them. them. Yeah. Well, they had some good songs. Oh, they did not. Yes, they did. Okay, Fremantle and Adelaide. Now, this is tough because it, what about Fremantle, eh? Like, you know, they're all right at home even though they lost last home game to North, but they just, they don't even try when they jump on a plane, do they? Everybody's talking. No, no, Sorry, no, come on, still, come on. That's how much interest you, I've got in Fremantle. Well, you can, you can come on, be a guest on Rock and Roll if you like, but otherwise, no mention of Doctor Hook. Adelaide for mine. They've got. We've got to show them some respect as last year's runners up, and they are really been a, crippled by injury. They, yeah, but they're also, you know, a, a, this is a death's door, isn't it, for this season? Uh, yeah, well, they're ninth, you know, so we're only halfway, but, I mean, they need to get a wriggle on, as, you as will this previous. Um, but I'm talking about um, a, a genuine attempt at um, going one step further. You know, you can't finish seventh or eighth. So What's your tip? Adelaide, out of respect for them having the better body of work in the last two years. All right, well, I'm going with... Uh, I've just had a chat with someone who knows their stuff, and, it, of course, I'm talking about Sylvia's mother oh, says... It's all right for you. <laughs> Adelaide by uh, a few goals. And uh, the round wraps up. <laughs> this is degenerating quickly. Now, got to get serious, because this is a massive game. Yeah, what a great game. In all the Queen's birthday, um, of course, the big freeze, fantastic course. So get behind that, everyone. Get your beanies. Got mine last night in Margaret Footy Show. Melbourne, Collingwood, uh, in purely football terms, this has got to be the most appetising Queen's birthday clash they've had for a long, long time. Yeah, it was always, for so long, it was Melbourne almost playing this as their grand final because... Jack Watts debuting. Yeah, I mean, they had their odd win and Melbourne supporters, knowing that they weren't going to make the finals, really treated this as their Anzac Day, their special day, their their big day out there, the football world's watching us. And yeah. it had all the build-up and hype and first 15 minutes of big game errors associated with something more than 14th versus 5th. Yeah. Well, you're right. Now it is much more than 14th versus 5th. It is uh, Melbourne seemingly, well, certainly finals bound, but maybe even on course for greater glory than that. And Collingwood making a real good stake in season 2018. So it's an eight-point game. That's all this is. Don't worry about uh, everything that precedes it. All of that's important. We know it's a great day now, given extra meaning thanks to Neil Danaher and the fight against mating urine disease. But when the ball bounces for the start of the game, it's an eight-pointer. I tip Melbourne in a hugely important game. Game of the round, one of the big games of the year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, actually, as you were saying that, I was just thinking it's going to be one of those games where the 
man from Snowy River voiceover bloke, his spiel actually does have some meaning rather than, there's a clash between 11th and 15th <laughs> on the ladder. Um, no, look, it should be a great game to watch because they're both pretty attractive sides when they're on a roll. But look, yeah, the Demons... <sighs> Demons cannot afford to lose this. I reckon if Collingwood lost, people would go, oh, yeah, well, I sort of get that. Demons can't lose this because that'll just reawaken all those doubts. They're a tougher side than Collingwood. Their contested numbers prove it. I think they're probably a, a slicker side too, but no better chance to prove it than on the big Queen's birthday occasion. Hopefully a crowd of, who knows, might even get 90-odd thousand there. So I'm going for the Ds too. Great chance for them to prove their premiership Credentials. Okay, uh, let's wrap it all up. On footyology, never again. Rightio, uh, my one's pretty obvious this week. I um, went to the Dreamtime game, finally, and departed from my usual uh, routine, and I didn't drive. And I'll confess, the reason I didn't drive is because at the big event games in the MCG now, there is no public parking, and I thought, oh, no. Too much of a hassle, so uh, I took Ab- Abby came along with me, and um, she guided me through the public transport system, and we got on a train, which I haven't really done since I was a kid. Although, funnily enough, I was riding around Shanghai on the metro there with no problem at all. But I have an aversion to Melbourne public transport, but I put that on hold. Got my Mikey card, topped it up, learnt how to use the little machine there. You should see the people looking at me going, "Look at this idiot! It's like he's never been on a train before." Anyway, it was, it was actually really efficient, um, except we left midway through the last quarter and then had to wait about 25 minutes for the next Glen Waverley train, but even that was bearable, um, copying crap from all the Richmond supporters walking along the platform. Now, it was actually not bad at all, and I reckon next big game I go to at the G, which may well be Monday, I think I'll be uh, availing myself of the facilities of the transport system once more. So never again will I drive to the MCG for a big game. Good on you, Shane Wakeland. Well done. No, explain. A great advocate of public transport. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. No, I thought he rode his bike. And public transport. Okay, all right. Huge small footprint man is Shane. Okay, all right. And great man. Good on you, Shane. My never again will not be heated to and... It's probably an extension of Media Watch, but never again. It's actually not a never again because it's going to be done over and over again. I hate the method of score giving now in football. What do you mean? 32 to 14 at half to quarter time. Half time, 50 to 39. You need the goals and behinds? I need the goals and behinds. It tells a tale. It's not... You know, it's it's now almost de rigueur to give the total points rather than goals and behind. Is it? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. Who, do, who does that? Do Channel 7 do that? Regularly. I mean, yeah, it, right. it's, it's regular and it's also the super... So your score update that you see on the screen constantly is yeah. only in total points. Total, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's 47-17. So, sorry, but you have to frame this as a never again. Never again will I get frustrated at points only because it seems to... I've lost the battle. I have lost the battle. <laughs> it's, a, it's a frustration that really... And you know what? I, I watched some football from the 70s recently. Yeah. And at quarter time, it was 6-5 to 3-2. Yeah. They didn't give the total points. They assumed that people had basic uh, mathematical skills. Victorian maths meant that any child could work out 
you're expected to be able to calculate every score below 1510 automatically. There were many times tables in schools where the teacher would say, all right, uh, well, the w- times one is easy, times 10 is easy, and for the boys, times six is easy. Did you used to get that at school? You what, know, the, times tables? Well, it was... You, times tables was everything, yeah. you know, from 12, yeah, yeah. 12 to twelve times 12. Yeah, 144. Correct. I spent all Nine sevens. 63. 11 fours. 44. 11 sevens. 77. 11 twelves. 123. The hard one. That one? Yeah. Yeah. No, you got wrong. 122. 132. Damn. That's the hard one. I sucked you in with the 11 no, 4s and 11 7s. been a while. No, been... but that's a hard one. 11 12s yeah, was always hard. I think I was pretty good, though. But teachers so. used to say, didn't you have teachers go, well, the one time table, that's ridiculous. Everybody knows that. Oh, not at my school. <laughs> and, and the tens times table, everybody should know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then the six times table, all the boys should know that. Uh, oh, is that right? Ah. We were always told that. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. No, I don't remember where I was. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's interesting. Don't know, Anyhow, so we all yeah, knew fifteen so, ten and below, but not anymore. It's okay. Quite, Maybe we should say a new segment called "In My Day." Yeah. All right. I think well, that's this show. Okay. Well, I've, I've got a final tiny little supplementary. Never again. Never again will I introduce the name of a musical act that I can't stand because that will then plant an earworm, and I'm going to spend the rest of today going walk right in, sit right down. Baby, let your hair hang down. We'll see you next week.